We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. His name will appear first on the ballot for mayor when Chicago voters go to the polls on February 26th, but my guest's name might not be very familiar to some voters unless they're connoisseurs of Chicago politics. This week, it's a conversation with mayoral candidate Jerry Joyce. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest is an attorney who's part of a political family well-known in Chicago circles. The uh, Joyce's have been active in and around government for decades. His full name is Jeremiah Joyce II. He is a former Cook County State's Attorney. His father was the alderman from the 19th Ward in the late 70s and then state senator for more than a decade and an ally with members of another political family, the Dailies. Jerry Joyce's brother Kevin was a state representative, so politics and the law are to some degree the family business. How Jerry Joyce came to set his sights on the big office at City Hall, he'll have to tell us. Jerry Joyce, welcome. Hi, Craig. Thanks for having me. Well, so would a field of candidates with familiar names like Tony Preckwinkle and Bill Daly and Gary Chico and Paul Vallis and the like, what made you decide to try to uh, move to the head of the pack? Well, I decided to run for mayor um, several months ago, actually before uh, Mayor Emanuel announced he was not running. So we've been out campaigning for several months, uh, well before most of the people in the race. The reasons uh, I've been out there that long is because of the state of affairs in our city. You know, I can tell you a, a little story that I was watching TV last year and a host uh, interviewed an author, author had used to live in Chicago, and he asked him where he lived, and he answered by saying that his grandparents were lifelong Chicagoans. He was born and raised there, and his wife and he were raising their children there. However, he said it reached a point in Chicago where he had to ask himself and his family the question, are they doing a disservice by staying there? Was he doing a disservice to his family by remaining in Chicago and raising his children there? And he answered that by relocating to Nashville, Tennessee. I understand his concerns. So many Chicagoans understand the concerns of him. But rather than relocate, move away, I'd like to do something about that. And that's why I'm running. But you haven't been in government or or business to any uh, extent. So several of your opponents have been in one or the other, some of them both. Rahm Emanuel's been in both. And he was not able to accomplish all he wanted to do. What tools and experience do you bring to the task here? Well, I have not been in government. I think uh, evidence shows that's probably a good thing. There's so many people running that have been part of the problem and not part of the solution. The, the state of affairs win now didn't happen overnight. It's been a long time coming. It's been based on or because of decisions made by so many people that are still around. That's why I'm for term limits. I don't think it's healthy for our city or for our government to have politicians and leaders that, are, that stay too long. So I'm for term limits. I have been from the get-go. Um, I, as I said, I think not being in government, uh, not having a career in politics is uh, an asset in this race. I have had uh, a career in the private practice and in uh, small businesses. 
as you mentioned, also I worked at the state's attorney's office. So actually, I think I am, uh, in some sense, uniquely qualified for this job. I was born and raised in Chicago. My wife, Janine, and I are raising our four children here. We love this city. Never considered living anywhere else. I've been involved in civic and uh, charitable organizations throughout the city for a number of years. Chicago's a part of me. The neighborhoods are a part of me. I love it. want to do things, do something to improve it. And we have uh, plans to help the city get back on track and keep it a place that people want to stay, want to relocate to, want to come back home to. What has Chicago or what has Chicago city government been doing wrong up to now? Well, we can start with public safety. Uh, This administration made the strategic decision to deplete the police department uh, years ago. Numbers of officers are way down. Probably more importantly, numbers of detectives are way down. They thought they could do more with less, allocated resources elsewhere, and that was a bad decision. It was the wrong decision, and it shows by particularly the clearance rates, which are getting a lot of publicity lately. Um, they're awful. They're, they're disgraceful, and not, I'm not just talking about the murder and homicide rates. I'm talking about uh, shootings. Uh, carjackings, uh, shooting rates, uh, I mean, clearance rates for shootings. And and let me be clear, on clearance, we're talking about just identifying um, the perpetrator of the crime, not not convictions. So uh, clearance rates in cases that somebody has identified and arrested for a crime, and particularly for shootings, that is halved under this administration. We are now in the middle single digits. So if you want to do the math on the shootings and you say there's 2,500 plus shootings a year and you know extrapolate that out, we got 15,000 shootings over six years, and let's be generous and say 10% of them are being, being solved. Or if you want to do the, use the total clearance rate, which is clearances um, over two years, not one year, we'll go a little higher. But in either case, we're in the thousands of shooters walking the streets of Chicago that have not been identified, have not been arrested. Uh, and I believe in great part that is due to the lack of um, necessary training in the, in the detect- detective division and the depletion of numbers there. And that is uh, acknowledged by uh, CPD and the detective division currently. Um, Mayor Emanuel has hired uh, a thousand more police officers in the last two years. Uh, and in fact, they've taken pains to prove to us that they really hired a thousand more and that it wasn't uh, just eaten up by attrition. And he also has expanded technology. I will have to assume that you think that's not enough. Uh, the, the technology, expanded technology is great. Um, I agree with you. I think you need to verify those numbers, um, but it's actually evidence of the mistake that they did make by letting the numbers go down so low. The exact numbers, I don't know. We'll have to find out when we get in there. It may be enough, may not be enough. Certainly the detectives is not enough. and that's They're not claiming that, that the detective division is up to par with the numbers that, that should be there. Now you have uh, said previously that the police officers are overworked. Uh, I know you talked about the detectives. They, they are overburdened and not solving crimes as much as they uh, should or as soon as they should. But talk about what's happening to the 
police officers who are the patrol officers, the people who are on the front lines. Yes, this well, it's, morale, as you're well aware, is probably at an all, all-time low on the police department. And part of it is because they are overworked. You know, police officers are missing um, their child's baseball games, their basketball games, uh, after-school activities, uh, family activities, because as a result of, once again, letting the numbers go so low, they had the administration had to make up with that by overtime, hundreds of millions of dollars spent on overtime, and that overtime being worked by overworked police officers. Um, you are, well, first off, I should ask if more police are the whole answer. I mean, is that the, is that the main thing that is needed here? Oh, absolutely not. That's just one component of law enforcement. I mean, of public safety, law enforcement is one component. Um, well, let's stay on the police for a moment because we have uh, proposed um, community policing the way that it would be much more effective, you know, CAPS, community policing, whatever you want to call it. Too often it winds up um, being the stepsist, red-headed stepchild of the police department in so, in so many uh, jurisdictions. Real community policing means officers that are, doing the law enforcement are also getting involved in the community, not um, officers that are diverted and put out in the community to report back to the officers that are assigned to do uh, more uh, traditional beat work. So we propose to have um, a team of eight to 10 uh, police officers and one sergeant in each beat in these, in the, um, in the pilot uh, districts, in each beat for a period of 30 months. Currently, um, teams are not, uh, there's no rhyme or reason. There's a rhyme or reason, but there's no consistency of them staying in the communities that they serve and protect. So we would like to experiment with this. We think we're gonna have really good results. What, what's part of not the crime being solved is um, the intelligent gathering. Right now, there's a lack of trust, too far widespread in too many areas in Chicago. And a lot of that is based on um, crime not being solved. So police officers say witnesses won't talk to them. Well, they won't talk to them because they're not confident that they're going to apprehend the criminal or the gangbanger that performed uh, the shooting, the crime, whatever it may be that they may be a witness to. So why would they put their own safety at risk be a, become a target for being a witness when they have no confidence. So I think if we can bring the clearance rates up, we do that by better investigations, by having more intelligence, being out, uh, in the community, getting to know who the bad people are, who the good people are, uh, where to go to for leads, how to, you know, that will go a long way to the clearance rates, which will then go a long way towards building trust between the communities and the police officers. Uh, and you talked about Training, you talked about training for the detectives especially, but you are not in favor of uh, Mayor Emanuel's proposal for a, about a 95 or $100 million police and fire training academy that he wants to locate on the west side. Um, why not, and what are you proposing instead? Well, I think everybody acknowledges the police department, Chicago Police Department needs more training. Everybody, every police officer I've talked to acknowledges that, uh, stresses that. Excuse me. And I am obviously in favor of more training. 
but a hundred million dollar facility, given the state of the city's finances right now, is I don't believe the right way to go, especially when there's an alternative that we've come up with, which can save that hundred million dollars. As you're well aware, uh, the administration closed 50 schools without any plan to repurpose them over six years ago. We have these vacant schools. The majority of them still sitting vacant uh, throughout our city. They should have been either repurposed or bulldozed. There should have been a plan in place before they did that because the school, as you know, is not just a place of learning, but very often it's an anchor in a community. And now we have these, uh, at best, eyesores that have sat vacant in these communities um, that house them. Our plan, we've identified five uh, vacant, shuttered schools, two on the west side and three on the south side, which can house the both the police academy and the fire academy. Currently, we're paying $400,000 hearing costs on these buildings. They can be repurposed. Academies can be sited in them for less than $25 million. They all, we picked these five because they are located in the federal uh, opportunity zones, which is a new, newly created tax incentive program for investment in um, economically disadvantaged communities. These five are located there. Part problem investing in um, opportunity zones is there's a concern for safety. So now we're going to put a public safety use in an in a opportunity zone and it's concerned about safety. So I think that will be a, a catalyst, a spur, or additional investment. We'll save the money that would have been um, required to build the $100 million academy. We can still sell the police and fire locations uh, in a transparent public process. I believe the city was going to allocate $60 million from the sale of land at O'Hare to the tollway um, towards this new academy. That can instead go to first responder pensions. So I think it's a win-win-win. I think it's, I know it's an example of outside-the-box thinking that's required in our city in this day and age and currently, um, particularly right now. And we have more plans like this coming down the pike that we're going to share. Can a decentralized uh, training complex uh, like this be efficient enough, especially when we're starting to talk more about cross-training between police and firefighters? Um, you're talking about uh, uh, distances between, uh, between the facilities, if somebody has to go from one to the other. Couldn't all of that sort of add up to more time and expense? No, no. Well, first of all, currently uh, they're being trained in multiple locations. Um, and um, police officers and uh, firefighters that I've spoken to have no problem with going to, uh, and, and, and the police department can do it any way they want. They can do uh, in phases by location for training. They can do it in um, different types of training. But no, there's, there's no problem with that. And, and when given technology in today that we have, there's no problem. And plus, you know what? I've talked to uh, someone who spent a career uh, training military officers, and he specifically said, give me a, a, a beach in Florida. Give me a, um, send me to the North Pole. We can train people 
just give me the right people to train, I will train them. Still, he's not going to matter. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. My guest is Jerry Joyce, candidate for mayor of Chicago. I want to stay on public safety for just one more question, and that is uh, the consent decree that has been worked out between the Illinois Attorney General and the city of Chicago is going to be in effect probably uh, for whatever mayor, whoever is the mayor. Um, Are there any particular problems you have with the consent decree as it is drawn up now? And, you know, if if not already approved by a judge, ready, nearly ready for approval by the judge. A lot of the things in the consent decree are, are already operational. But, yeah, I do have concerns, um, similar concerns that uh, Superintendent Johnson had with the uh, unholstering a weapon, uh, the paperwork requirements. The concerns I have all go towards either cost or safety of officers. Anything that may cause the uh, safety of an officer to be diminished, I would have a concern with. And those two specific things are, are the ones that I can share with you now. The paperwork, uh, I mean, the obviously police, the police officers have complained about paperwork on things like the uh, the stops that they have to make of citizens and the reports they have to do. Um, what is do what is the safety concern about paperwork? And then, uh, you know, can you just talk a little bit about what the safety concern is for having to report when you unholster and point your weapon? Which I think was the those were the two dimensions. If it wasn't just taking it out of the holster, but actually pointing it at somebody. Yeah, I guess I can answer both of the same. Um, you, know, you don't want an officer hesitating uh, when they're in a dangerous situation out of concern about documentation. What happens to that paperwork after it leaves that officer's required reporting? That's the concern that officers have. Is someone going to try and trick bag me? Because I reported, you know, there may be an officer that doesn't pull his weapon 10 years on the force. And there may be one that pulls it 10 times a week or more. So is that going to be um, used against that officer that has to, that works in uh, dangerous situations constantly? Is that paperwork going to be used against them in any, in any situation? But should the department know when there is an officer who is pulling a weapon maybe more than might be advisable given the kind of training that they've gotten? They do know. They already do know. But where is that report going to? Is, 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 if there's a, officers I've talked to, if there's a personal, personality conflict, is, is, is there, there's so much uh, wiggle room in there and, um, and subjectivity. If, if it could be more objective, if it could be done in a matter, and I assume it's going to be worked out uh, eventually, but that, those are my concerns. Let's talk ethics, because <laughs> there's been a lot of talk about ethics lately. Uh, and I will stress at the beginning of this, nothing has been proven, but Alderman Ed Burke has been accused of using his position and power to pressure Burger King, in particular to use his law office for its pro- for his property tax uh, or for its property tax appeals and such. Um, should aldermen have outside jobs and what lines would you draw to prevent abuse of those two roles if you would allow them at all? 
You know what? I don't. I do not believe aldermen should have outside jobs. I believe it should be a full time job. I think if you're doing it correctly, it is a full time job, and I think um, it's well paid. I don't, so I know I do not believe aldermen should have uh, outside income. Um, outside jobs. I'm sorry. Yeah. What about uh, the other thing that flowed through that case, but many other cases, not just legal cases, but uh, but just regular business of the uh, city council, aldermanic prerogative. Um, should an alderman have veto power uh, of over the things that come up in their wards? Yes, I believe they should. I believe they're in the best position to make that decision based on the people they represent. Um, now, the people who are arguing against aldermanic prerogative or wanting to limit it, and it's not just in the field of candidates, but some people on the city council, that's a big debate on the city council right now, um, suggest that that is an opening for abuse, that when an alderman has the power to stop something, that makes them all-powerful in the eyes of whoever is asking for something, and that almost invites, they would say, either bribery or someone trying to cajole him into doing something? I'd have to, uh, that should be vetted, certainly if that's a concern that it leads to uh, bribery. But, I mean, if it leads to bribery, you know, I think that it, it, something else is going to lead to bribery. It, it, you got to do the right thing. You know, hmm. I don't think that prerogative is the thing that's leading to the bribery or uh, making somebody susceptible to it. Um, what about, well, you said you, uh, you subscribe to term limits. I do. Uh, and is that for the alderman and the mayor? Yes. Uh, okay. What about, what about the proposals that keep coming up every once in a while to shrink the size of the city council? Yes, I agree with that. I don't know if, what that number would be, but certainly we could get by with 25 aldermen. Hmm. Um, the argument that when I hear an argument, the argument I hear the most often is that the aldermen are closer to the people and that if you shrink the number of aldermen, that means perhaps response from the ward or whatever you want to call it at that time is slower because now they're dealing with more people. You Could that pull people further away from the source of their services? Well, I think so many of f- the functions of an alderman have been taken over by you know, 311 services and, and other stuff that the city agencies have taken over. And, and now the technology that we have nowadays between computers and smartphones and cell phones, uh, I think that there's a lot of efficiencies that are in place now that would um, advocate to a smaller city council. I don't think that uh, I don't share those concerns. Okay. Uh, We'll turn to finance for a little bit. Um, You favor legalized marijuana and a uh, Chicago casino uh, to help with the city's pension debt, but that almost certainly won't be enough revenue. What else is acceptable to you and what is not? Well, obviously our pension uh, unfunded liability is a huge overhang on our city. We need to recognize that we got to this because of the leaders of our government, not because of the pensioners, not because of the police officers, 
not because the firefighters, laborers, you know, city workers, municipal workers, uh, teachers, they paid into their pension. It's not their fault. So we should not be talking about uh, a constitutional amendment to short them of their pension or the possibility of allowing the city to go bankrupt to get out of our contract with them. When they, when they started, we told them what, what to expect. In exchange for that, they made a promise to us. You know, there was no exception, oh, I'm not going to run into a burning building when I get called to do my job as a firefighter. Or if there's shots coming out of that window, I'm not going to go through that door as a police officer. We cannot renege on our deal with them. In addition to that, we also need to recognize we're not going to solve this problem on the backs of residential property owners in our city. It's a huge number, no question about it. What we need to do is find alternative sources of revenue, give us some breathing room so we can grow out of this and govern out of it. It's not going to be on the back of residential uh, property owners. And we, have, we do have some suggestions and ideas like the police academy. That's $60-plus million. We have other stuff that um, sports betting is now allowed by the Supreme Court. We're in favor of a casino, as you indicated. All the uh, revenue derived from that going to unfunded pension obligations. Uh, the casino should be sited in an area that can uh, withstand or, or hold a whole entertainment zone. We've been in discussions with uh, Great Lakes Coalition, uh, Cruising Coalition. There are now there is now cruising on on Lake Michigan and the Great Lakes. That that could take off. We've been in discussions with them. They'd be very interested in bolstering their presence in Chicago. We have a um, proposal whereby the Southworks site could possibly house a casino, house a port for the cruising on Lake Michigan, uh, possibly have a water park there, bring um, maybe hotels there, have a resurgence on the southeast side. All that, that's additional revenue. That'll be long-term, I get it, but it's a long-term problem we're dealing with also. We have uh, a proposal for um, perhaps um, increasing the passenger facility charge, dollars that wouldn't hit Chicagoans so hard. That would be require some uh, heavy muscle to get through the feds and the airlines, but everything should be on the table right now. Um, except a commuter tax. No, I think the commuter tax should be on the table. Okay. Uh, it's it's been discussed in years past, not not met with a lot of uh, success. But um, you know we have to take into account what the business community is saying about it. But it should be on the table, no question about it. Um. We have about a minute left or so, uh, but I want to ask one at least education question. You favor a, sort of a hybrid school board? I, I know there, there, there are so many proposals for it right now, but what do you propose for running the Chicago Public Schools? The school board makeup that we propose is six districts elected, one representative each one, and one appointment from the mayor. I am, I am in favor of an elected school board because of the lack of accountability um, evident the last eight years at least in the current uh, system between the uh, outrageous sexual abuse scandal that was allowed to go on so long. Uh, and you know what? People don't even understand. The school board was, if they were in the dark, they certainly were made aware of it back in January when the Tribune was asking about them. 
not till May when the story came out did they do anything to address this or remedy it. It's it's atrocious. It's a terrible. Um, would the mayor's appointee be the chair of the uh, school board? No, not at all. So it will be a vote, vote of the absolutely. Okay. Well, that is going to be the final word. I would like to thank mayoral candidate Jerry Joyce for spending this half hour with us. Uh, To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That is WBBMNewsRadio.com. You can also find our podcasts on Radio.com. I will be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you will be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.